This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? It is Jake Burns coming at you for the OBR Film Breakdown. It's been a while since we've talked. Hopefully you're doing well. Um, you know, we are uh, dealing with a uh, weird weird sort of setup to start the season as the Browns go. You know, they go Sunday, Thursday, and typically I like to have a little bit of post-game reaction and then um, give you preview podcasts. It wasn't really a great preview for the Ravens because... You know, we don't really know all too much about what the Ravens were going to do. We don't get a preseason. We don't know, you know, what the Browns are going to do. And it leads to uh, wasted breath, in my opinion. So I wanted to watch the game, give you feedback on the game, and then uh, and then talk talk about Cincinnati and Thursday. We'll kind of make it an all-in-one thing, and then we'll check back in probably Friday with reaction to the Bengals game. You know, my dog's in here sleeping on the couch looking at me, wondering why I'm talking. If he barks or does something, you're you're forewarned. Uh, but he he's in here, he's joining me, and uh, sneezing and all that good stuff. So you know maybe he'll he'll go back to sleep. Who knows? But um, you know first we're we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about the Ravens game and specifically uh, the outcome and what to expect. If you saw my Twitter feed, I said before this game that I had zero expectations for the Browns, and there was a piece about that, right? Like I just kind of. Expected a, a group of guys who just met a month ago, really, face-to-face, to struggle. Uh, I was hoping that there would be some cohesiveness, a group of dudes who uh, played discipline. And I think there were times where that was the case. You know, a couple key moments in the game where it's 17-6 and a, a drop ball happens on a third and two and you miss a field goal. Can't stop Baltimore in 41 seconds. That changes the game completely. You know, there's things we can talk about here. Um you know, about this game and why it failed and, and all of that stuff, I guess. But, like, at the crux of it was that the Ravens are really good and they are a Super Bowl contender. Uh, we don't love to admit that as division rivals, but they were a Super Bowl contender and their 14-2 record wasn't a fluke. Tennessee played them extremely well in the postseason last year. Probably a huge wake-up call for Lamar and those guys. But, you know, they, they bring back everything. They brought back their defensive coordinator, their you know, their their head coach, obviously, but their defensive coordinator and their offensive coordinator and didn't change a ton of new pieces. I mean, they brought in an effective player in J.K. Dobbins, who was a big part of things, but otherwise everybody's relatively familiar with what they're doing. I think they started a rookie at Bozeman. I can't remember off the top of my head at, at right guard but or left guard. One of the guard positions, they're young. But, you know, they have two tackles, a tight end, wide receivers that have all played in the system. Patrick Ricard, the fullbacks, played in the system. Mark Ingram... 
Justice Hill, all of those guys are familiar with it offensively. It's it's cohesiveness. Defensively, they replace some pieces. Obviously, Earl Clark gets let go. Um, they bring in Calais Campbell. They bring in Patrick Queen in the first round. There's some new pieces there, but most of the unit is guys who have been in you know, that franchise for a little bit of time and understand what the goal is and where they're at mentally. And it was just, to me, it was a team that was so far ahead installation, so far ahead um, of cohesiveness and, and togetherness and understanding of what the, the schemes are and the principles are and all of that stuff. And that's important to understand. And I've been harsh on Baker Mayfield specifically this week and um, have, tre- have really tried to have the caveat that it is with you know a patient perspective here there are concerns but there's patient you know patient perspective this is the worst this is the worst team for the browns to really draw early and like i said all of that cohesiveness it doesn't affect them like it affects cleveland because they're not learning new things they're building on what they already know things they've already talked about so spending classroom time for those guys is 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 great because you can spend so much time practicing, implementing some different things while Cleveland's trying to crash course an entirely new system, verbiage, all of that stuff into one. And that's that's a super, super tough challenge. So, you know, from the Browns' perspective, it's, it's it was just, if they kept it close, that was great. They could keep Baltimore under 30 points, that was great. They had a chance. But there was, you know, it, it, you watched it, I watched it, there was a total lack of cohesion um, on both sides of the ball, step behind, a beat behind, and it translated into uh, the scoreboard at the end of the football game. I think that there's a lot of new things in this system that the Browns haven't been able to put in or feel comfortable from Kevin Stefanski's perspective of, of putting those things in. So uh, there's a little bit of that going on. And, you know, at the same time, there's 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 going to be 16 games on the schedule. That's it. These guys weren't going to play every preseason game, so they have to speed up this process. Now you get a challenging game with Baltimore, but then you get Cincinnati who has a rookie, um, you know, rookie quarterback in a short week and that's tough. So we'll get to that. But like, just don't be totally blown away and, and, and pulling the cord on this season based on that game. Baltimore should have been leaps and bounds ahead. There's no doubt about that. They, they brought back too much. They brought back too much cohesion. And, um, if Cleveland kept it close, I was going to be blown away if they won, completely and utterly blown away if that happened but it didn't it went as about as i expected it to so just don't let this ruin the season you know minnesota got off to a little bit of a slow start offensively last year they ran the ball more effectively that's the big thing so we're going to talk about this game you know from the perspective of of how it went for cleveland i mean you know i think the pretty split carry situation 13 carry 72 yards for for hunt nick chubb had 10 for 60 uh baker had 21 attempts, 39, uh, sorry, 39 attempts, 21 completions, 189 yards, a touchdown, interception. Um, Jarvis Landry had uh, five catches on six targets, 61 yards, and Joku, um, unfortunately, with that knee injury, which which hurts because he looked really good. Had three catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Odell had 10 targets, uh, only three catches, 22 yards. Austin Hooper had a couple targets for 15 yards. So, you know, it, it's it's... <laughs> it was a group that looked like it just came together offensively. We'll talk about offense, talk about defense. Like Baker Mayfield comes in with a pro football focus grade of 55, I think is the number. One of his worst games ever graded, right up there with Tennessee last year, and I think San Francisco was really poorly graded, 57. 
And what I wrote about, and maybe you read it, maybe you didn't, is that he's just carrying over some really bad habits from, from year to year. You know, I talk about quarterbacks, I probably, I probably use this phrase, which is weird. There, there are play takers and play makers. Um, you know, guys who are playmakers can throw from multiple different angles, um, arm-wise, arm can, can throw from weird platforms, maintain accuracy, extend plays, whether that's with their, their legs or their ability to maneuver in a pocket. Um, those are things that those guys can do, and they're able to overcome obstacles within any given play. Different coverage than they're expecting, uh, a crazy rush, a crazy, a crazy blitz, whatever it is, they're able to overcome something and make a play. Those guys are playing makers. Lamar is in that category right now. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Those are the guys in that level right now. And Baker Mayfield's thrust back in the play takers. What I mean by takers are guys who take what the defense is given, take what a scheme opens up for them, um, that sort of thing. You know, They're not going to overcome a perfect coverage. They're not going to overcome somebody covering up their first or second read. They're not going to overcome anything kind of crazy happening on any given play. As a, a certain rush happens, he's not going to be able to calmly, you know, patiently maneuver around that rush or maybe put a move on him in the pocket to avoid. Um, you know, Baker's certainly in the play taker category for me. Guys like at the top end of that spectrum are Kirk Cousins and Matthew Stafford. There's there's good quarterbacks that Matt Ryan, in my opinion, that live in that category. And, um, you know, for Baker, and I've, I've talked about this, you know, like I said, on a couple different radio interviews and a couple different um, writing pieces or whatever now is that he has to be able to be a taker of plays. Like he's not even doing that. And it's carrying over from his rookie or sorry, his second season, which was a, a guy who did not look confident in what he was seeing a guy who the game seemed to be moving a little too fast for, um, from, from an approach of not being able to go from your first to second read, um, comfortably, calmly, the way you want somebody to, he's not able to do that, which is, which is a very big problem. He's not progressing in terms of his patience in the pocket. Still a little bit of bailing out, not as much bailing out um, from from clean reads, but or from clean pockets. But if his first read's open, like I've talked about this, if Baker's first read is open and he can throw it in rhythm, he's good. He's a very good quarterback. But and I would say one of the better ones in the league in terms of on rhythm throwing, he can handle that extremely well. But there are times that in a majority of the time right now that he's not able to handle working off that first read. If something is covered up, something unexpected happens, such as that fire zone that they threw at him early, he's going to throw into it. He's going to make mistakes. Defenses are a beat ahead of him, and they're out playing the chess game. Baker has to be a guy who understands that he's not a great athlete. He's a limited athlete in general, so he has to understand. He's okay. Limited, though. He has to be able to understand that he has to beat teams with his mind. His mind is going to be the thing that can take him places. He's got a good enough arm, but he has to be able to to know what teams are doing as they're doing it and before almost before they're doing it to get the ball out and put into the right places. That's what the guys who are, who are slow-footed but have been in the league for a long time, whether that's Tom, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, whoever, they're able to stay a beat ahead. Baker, if he wants to be long-term in the league, be that guy we think he can be in what we saw his first year, he has to play with some confidence. He has to play with some poise in the pocket. We'll see if it comes. It's a it's a bad 17-game trend. There's the perspective I open this podcast with, which is he can get there, but it's going to take time, and it's going to get, you know, giving Cleveland, you know, the Browns giving him some sort of, you know, trust and faith and time to operate in, in a system and uh, not change his play caller every two minutes and not change head coaches so often, but also is there patience enough 
to see this through with him. I mean, in year three, people are getting fed up with a lot of the happenings of the franchise in terms of the losses and and uh, the poor play from from Baker. But it's like there's a balance here, and the Browns have failed him to this point. I don't I don't know if there's a level of patience necessary to give him time to work through this. We'll see. Do they give Stefanski time to work through? We hope it's early. I'm not trying to push panic mode by any means, but it is my job to let you know what he's struggling with. And uh, there are concerns. Offensively, otherwise, David Njoku graded out really well, 92.3. Wyatt Teller, 91.2. As soon as the All-22 drops, I'll be able to give you some perspective on that. But, um, you know, Teller grading out like that is phenomenal for the right guard. Left guard, Joel Batonio, 75.8. J.C. Treader, just a freaking warrior, man. 73 snaps coming back off surgery with the limited practice time, 74. The Browns offensive line graded out well. They protected extremely well. Um, they should have been able to throw. And that's the problem. You know, people are asking me about play action. You know, why didn't the Browns run more play action? Well, they did. They ran nine play action throws. You know, for the majority of the game, if Baltimore's out in front, maybe the Browns had two or three different possessions throughout the game, especially the early portion of the game where they weren't down multiple scores. And you like you talk about the punt, the fake punt, just a, just a really weird time in the game to decide, like, we want to run a fake punt. It's it's 7 nothing. You're deep in your own territory. It's 4th and 4. You get that first down. It's like, cool, you got the first down. But it's like, you're still on the opposite side of the football field so you're not really running you know you're not you're not getting anything crazy it doesn't change the game so you better be 150 percent that that play is going to work first of all um and then like you know even the risk then maybe is not worth the reward because you, you get the first down maybe you go three and out and you got to punt you know it's like i just don't understand doing that taking that risk at that time because you're pretty much accepting that if we don't get this it's 10 nothing or it's 14 nothing and they you know luckily got out of it down 10 nothing but you put yourself in a position where Baltimore's defense doesn't have to worry about the running game. Baltimore wants you to run. You know, if you're down against Baltimore, they want you to run the football and, and, and the clock bleeds. They want that. They're going to offensively bleed the clock as much as they can. They naturally run the football a ton. So if you're on offense, they want you to run the football. So they're not going to be eager to play forward-based defense. They're going to react to the passing game. They're okay with you running. It's not a big deal to them. So it's like the play-action stuff doesn't work great. You're not going to see great boot action fooling teams when when you can't run the football consistently. You're only running 23 times between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's like you're playing behind the scoreboard almost all game. You can't run a ton of play-action when you're behind the scoreboard. So they ran it nine times out of 39 attempts, which is fine, but like you're down so much, and it, it was early. It wasn't like it was a neutral game that often. When it was a neutral game, the Browns were able to drive down and score, You know, and their second drive was pretty nice. So... You know, the third drive, if there weren't for a face mask, a weird offensive face mask, and and uh, you ended up in, I don't know, what was it, third and 41, you know, you had a pretty good drive going there. It's just it got it got out of hand because the defense couldn't get a key stop. So, um, you know, Odell's 46.6. I, I, listen, I don't I don't know where it's going ultimately um, with, with Odell. I, it's, it's, he's not the player he was in New York, and that's a byproduct of not getting the ball in some of the same positions. Is he? Does he have that same elite top end speed? I I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. All I know that right now is it's not working. And some of it's Baker's fault, and some of it's Odell's fault. And um, they're paying him a lot of money, and it's not working. Um, you, you know, these guys have time. They'll 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 get time. But like, they gotta they gotta do something. They've got to show that this connection can matter because people are reverting to the fact that. Baker's most successful time was a time without Odell, his rookie season. And I'm not a believer, and I don't subscribe to the idea that reducing a, you know Baker's wide receiver talent is going to just all of a sudden make him better. I just don't believe that to be true. And a Baker has said as much. Like, my reads are taking me to Odell. They just have to find a way to connect on these throws. So 
talent is there, man. It's just a matter of finding a way to connect and get get in rhythm on the right scheme. And Stefanski needs to get Odell involved early. He is a he's a build up type of receiver. You got to get him involved, make him feel like part of the game plan, and eventually he's able to to do those crazy ridiculous things. Like if he's distanced and from from the game plan and the game and the flow of the game, that's when you see him drop balls like that third and two that he should have caught. Like he just he feels distant, and it's not. I'm not to criticize him there, but like, you know, he's he's not a he's not a consistent. You know, the top flight guys, Mike Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, those guys are just like automatic lock-ins. Odell needs to be fed some to get some confidence rolling, and once he gets confidence, there's there's almost nobody like him. He can he can make ridiculous plays, but they're not involving him early except for throwing him maybe a quick screen. Like, can you get him involved on a slant? Can you find a way to manipulate him into space somehow? They've got to find a way to do that. It'll be so important Thursdays to get him involved early and make him feel like an active part of the game plan. So that's something I'm going to pay attention to. Um, No other notes offensively. Um, Like I said, protected well. Uh, I've talked about Baker a ton. There's a a radio interview I did here with Columbus, Ohio. Um, Rothman and Ice in 97.1 The Fan here in Columbus. If you want to listen to that, it is on my Twitter feed. Uh, I talked about it. I wrote about it. So hopefully you have read about it. Defensively, Larry Ogunjobi played his butt off. Um, 94 grade, which is crazy good in 32 snaps. Very encouraging. Played the run defense very well. Forced fumble. Had a couple plays in the backfield. Quarterback hurry. Um, he had three defensive stops, which those are plays that constitute an at at the line of scrimmage or behind stop on a run play, um, which is awesome. Good to see. Sheldon Richardson also played well inside. 26 snaps. Jordan Elliott played well inside, which is also great to see. Um, you know, otherwise, 19 Malcolm Smith snaps where he graded pretty high, 87.2. Uh, you like those performances. Adrian Claiborne's fine. Miles Garrett was a 65. Um, still waiting for a game. Look, I, I think Miles is phenomenal. Happy we have him. Great football player, one of the better defensive ends in the league. But I'm waiting for a game where he literally takes over and changes everything about the dynamic of the game. In a big game, a big moment. Not Monday Night Football against the Jets, a big game that they need, and he's just as dominant. And it, it, listen, I'm waiting on it. It's in there. He's a freak. He needs to do it more. He just needs to do it more. I don't want to admit that TJ Watt's a better player than him. I'm not there. I'm not saying that. He needs to do more. He is a freak, and he needs to be a freak all the time for this team. They need it. Anderson Dejo, 30.9 grade, pretty terrible. Um, lost in coverage multiple times. Gave up that touchdown to Andrews. Uh, beat on the, over the top by Hollywood Brown on a um, a deep over route. Uh, a great throw from Lamar, but you know a deep over route, and then um, gives up another deep ball, uh, kind of on a weird dig corner concept for Mark Andrews. Catches a touchdown. Uh, pretty reflective of what Sendejo did. Not a guy that they should be counting on to play 59 snaps, but here we are. 49 BJ Goodson snaps, a 38.4 grade. Tackled well, but did not cover well and did not consistently play well in the run game, which is what we thought BJ Goodson is. A guy who can tackle well, otherwise not that effective. Only 12 Jacob Phillips snaps, 47.5 grade. Have to check the tape. It looks like the All-22 just dropped, 136 on Thursday morning, if that's a continual thing, it's going to make my job really hard and a lot of other people really hard. So hopefully the NFL is just on their bullshit this week and we can get back to normal. Um, Denzel Ward, a 58 grade, got a check. Tackled well, did not cover all too well, according to um, Pro Football Focus. Carl Joseph, 51.8. Also did not cover well, 54.7 coverage grade. Olivier Vernon, really poor, 48.3 grade. Um, Ronnie Harrison only two snaps. I gotta expect that's gonna uptick this week. They gotta find a way to get Ronnie Harrison up to speed and playing because they they desperately need him. Hopefully, hopefully that comes to fruition. So we're done with Baltimore. It's over. You bury it. 
hopefully this week they play better um, and have a better game plan. We'll talk Cincinnati. Um, before we talk Cincinnati, I want to talk to you about a couple of our sponsors, uh, which which are um, we're growing at the Blue Wire here. We're we're doing some some really great stuff with some really great companies. I'm talking about Pepsi, um, which you know they're they're ready to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch the season, no matter who you root for, hopefully for the Browns. Pepsi's a refreshment. You need to power through your game and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. That's what they do here at Pepsi. They're passionate fans, real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for watching football and the football watchers. They care about you at Pepsi. That's not just Pepsi. That's Mountain Dew. That's many other things that they offer. Make sure you're drinking Pepsi on game day when you're watching the Browns and do thank them for their support here at Blue Wire. Also, going to talk to you about Indeed. If you are looking for a job, Indeed is the way to go. You have to keep moving, even though it's a weird time, and maybe you don't think many people are hiring. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world, and people are hiring because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause or count at any time for those of you looking to hire some prospective employees and no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Sponsored jobs that are always up on the front of pages when people search for your occupation, which is known to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, it's going to get you the most important hire that you need just like they have for 3 million other businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job. Free $75 credit, which means more quality candidates will see this and your job posting fast. Try Indeed with $75 credit. It's Indeed.com slash BlueWire, okay? It's actually Indeed.com slash podcast. I take that back. Correction. Indeed.com slash podcast. It's the best offer available anywhere. Go right now. It's Indeed.com slash podcast. I'm an idiot. Forget the first thing. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So if you're looking to hire some candidates, Indeed is going to give you that great offer. So now let's talk about Cincinnati. Cincinnati obviously loses a heartbreaker. Um... I think the final score was 16-13, unfortunately a missed field goal late in the game that uh, that cost them a chance to go to overtime. An offensive pass interference was called on A.J. Green on a push-off comeback on the pylon. Uh, Pretty rough call, but nice debut for Joe Burrow overall, Uh, 23 for 36, 193. He did throw a weird shovel interception, which I'll put up on tomorrow's uh, game preview. Just a weird little shovel pass he was trying to make, running toward the left sideline, kind of strange. Um, that ended up being his interception. Joe Mixon, 19 for 69. Joe's effective runner, just as he was at LSU. Good athlete, man. He he can move. When he gets going forward and uh, extending plays and running with the football, just a really sneaky runner, man. And not even sneaky, just like a good athlete. He can run with it. Um, you just don't always expect it from him. He went 8 for 46 in the touchdown. His first NFL touchdown was a 23-yard touchdown run, I believe. Um, yep, 23-yard touchdown run. Uh, AJ Green had five for 51. Uh, CJ Uzoma had four for 45. Their tight end, Tyler Boyd had four for 33. Gio Bernard, who's been there since like 1981, had four catches for 21 yards. And that's about it. Jermaine Pratt, their linebacker at NC State, really liked him coming out. Eight tackles, 12 total with four assists. Sam Hubbard had a nice game um, with nine total tackles. Um, Jesse Bates played really well. If you look at their grades. Um, offensively, Xavier Suifilo, who actually just went on IR, will not be playing, was one of their better graded offensive linemen. Uh, Mike Jordan, 
Michael Jordan, Ohio State product, graded really well in 68 snaps, 74.1. A.J. Green graded well. Their center, Trey Hopkins, was one of their top-graded uh, top graded players. So, you know, guys at the bottom, Billy Price continues to struggle. John Ross continues to struggle. Doesn't really look like he's going to pan out for them. And uh, T. Higgins, the rookie, plays 15 snaps. Um, you know, Joe Burrow grades out at 61.6. Joe Mixon had his, maybe the worst game of his pro career around it, 49.6. So he struggled. He's coming back from a contract dispute where he finally got his long-term deal Maybe a little rusty. Hopefully he stays a little rusty this week. Defensively, um, you know, only one sack by Carl Lawson, uh, but not a ton of great grades. We're going to look at this. Uh, Jesse Bates, the safety out of Wake Forest, has been with them a few years now. Fantastic player, 91.6, great grade. He's a good player. He, he gives Cleveland trouble. DJ Reader, who they signed, I think, from Houston, is the, the interior defensive line anchor. He graded well with the 76.8. Um, Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels are not playing in this game, so the Browns have an opportunity to attack the middle a ton um, with those guys both rolled out. Um, Mackenzie Alexander played pretty well for them. Carl Lawson off the edge. William Jackson, Von Bell in the 60s. At the bottom, um, guys who played significant snaps, even though Jermaine Pratt had a ton of tackles, is 45.1 grade. Um, that's about it. Carlos Dunlap did not play all too well in 52 snaps. Their, their, their other left corner, Darius Phillips, had a 52.3 grade. 71 snaps. Uh, middle linebacker Josh Bynes, he's 62 grade. Listen, the Bengals are not very strong up the middle. Uh, they do not have a ton of defensive tackle front line or second line depth right now with injuries, and they are very inexperienced at linebacker, probably one of the few teams in the league that are worse off at the linebacker position. They have decently solid corner group and a decent, uh, a pretty good safety group. They, they, they lost, uh, as we try to look at this here, they lost Sean Williams. I think he'll be out this week, but they have Von Bell, Ohio State product, and, uh, and Jesse Bates, obviously. You can attack Darius Phillips, their other corner. William Jackson is pretty strong. The Nichols, McKenzie, Alexander. Um, again, another strong player. I think he signed out of Minnesota, I think, where he was last year. But, yeah, you got to attack Christian Covington. You know, you have to attack Amani Bledsoe up front. They have two, two pretty stout edge players in Sam Hubbard, Carl Lawson, um, that have been around for a while and, like I said, are... Are, uh, are consistently pretty strong for them. I think Sam Hubbard's going into year three already somehow, but um, Randy Bullock let go. Austin Seibert picked up. Uh, I think they're making... Well, I think Bullock's still there. I don't know if Austin Seibert's going to kick for them or not. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but they picked up Seibert, and everybody freaked out about it. I don't really care. Look, the Bengals are much like the Browns. They're, they're behind the eight ball. Even though they brought everybody back, they got a young quarterback... They are playing in a short week, and with young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, it's never good. They never grade all too well. They never perform all too well. So the hope here would be that a similar outcome happens in this one, and the Browns get a really unprepared team. Um, but it's going to be 6,000 people on the edge of their seats and nervous about it, and the fan base nervous about it. The Browns cannot afford to go to 0-2. Um, even though they only have Washington next week, Washington proved to be formidable enough to beat Philly, even if Philly's got a banged-up offensive line. Um, nobody in the NFL is a pushover, man. You got to win this game. You got to you got to win short week games. You host at home with a, with a slew of veterans on both sides of the ball. So they got to find a way to win it, and uh, hopefully hopefully they do. I, I you know I got to watch the Bengals game. The all twenty two situation with the NFL not having everything out like they should have is is really painful and it sucks for giving fair analysis. You know, you do the best you can with the regular tape, but um, you know you need to be able to see things from from a perspective of all the players on the field because that matters and uh it gives you a really great look at 
how the whole thing, how the whole picture ties together. You can't really always judge a picture by 75% of things. You try. Some things you can, but for the most part, you can't. You know, I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions on Baker. If I'm wrong about some things, I'll correct them. Pro Football Focus gets this tape, you know, Sunday night. I don't know why it's taken us so long, but they, they give out grades, and they obviously were crushing Baker this week, so I might not have been too far off. So, look, I want to write positive things about this team. I want to I want to do fun podcasts about these guys. I want to, I want to, I want to praise them. I've praised Baker Mayfield a ton for great play, but it's not there right now. It's not happening. So they have to find a way to get that out of him. They're going to need to before we split. Uh, BetOnline.ag is is uh, is still offering some really great deals. Um, you know, you might not be able to get to a game this year, but you can still you know get in on that action at BetOnline.ag. So they're going to go the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win. From game spreads and totals, team, player, coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to win than anywhere else. And they do. They have some great individual player lines. Uh, I think Nick Chubb was like a 53 rushing yards. I took the over and made some money. You can get in on the season um, You know, with their seasoning open bonus. Start off with wagering on wins, divisions, championships, futures, everything. they got great game day bets you can make. All that stuff's there. So head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of the great offer for your sign-up bonus. Don't forget the promo code BLUEWIRE, betonline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, you know, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this. I'm rambling uh, a little bit. I haven't been able to watch everything I want to watch, but uh, I give you some perspective on the on the Ravens game. We can, we can flush that down the toilet, be ready to move on, and hopefully we have some more fun stuff to talk about Friday night and uh, can give you some really good perspective about that game. Nationally televised game, so I hope the Browns play well. They they could use that. There's some rumblings about some orange pants, potentially. I don't know why they'd be going to those so early when they didn't even advertise them in the new uniform display, but we'll see. Hopefully they look sharp and hopefully they play well. That's the hope. That's the goal. Uh, big shout out to Titan One Podcast. Please make sure you give that a listen. You can find that on all of the major podcast networks. Uh, that's Greg Olson having some fantastic guests such as Mike Ditka, Shannon Sharp, just had Travis Kelsey. It's going to have many more great tight ends, George Kittle. Um, you know, Olson does a great job with that. Hopefully you guys are going over and listening to that because you get some really good perspective uh, from those tight ends and about a really tough position. Fun listen. So, big uh, again, big shout out to Titan One. Thanks to Pepsi, betonline.ag, and indeed for the sponsorship and taking time to care about us at Blue Wire. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you all are staying safe as usual during this weird time. Still weird. Coming around. Big Ten's playing football. Hopefully you're a Big Ten fan. You enjoy that. Get some college football. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll be back Friday. It might just be me again. Who knows? I'll try to maybe get somebody on, but sometimes my rambling does okay for you guys. Come back Friday and uh, talk about this game. Maybe a win. So enjoy yourself, guys. Enjoy the Browns game tomorrow. Stay safe. Until next time, go Browns.